I'm TJ Walsh, and you're listening to the Bold Creatives Collective podcast. Take a front row seat to hear conversations with successful musicians, producers, actors, visual artists, designers, directors, marketers, and more, and learn about their perspectives and approach to leadership, creativity, innovation, and growth. Let's dive in. I'm so excited about this conversation because we're going to talk about some things that are super, super kind of, um, well, quite frankly, important to talk about in uh, the world of art um, and being artists. We're going to talk about ableism in um, in the arts, and I'm going to bring Charlie on the stage right now. This is Charlie J. Myers, right? Charlie, I'm so excited that you're here. Can you give all of us an idea of who you are, um, what you're about, and then we'll just kind of take the conversation from there. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm a contemporary painter and curator who's interested in mostly online curation, especially um, that started during the pandemic as a way of like having accessible shows. Um, I care a lot about accessibility and also about like um, disability issues when it comes to tech and social media. and that's just sort of all in progress at the moment, like learning what I need to learn as well as trying to like bring certain things to my audience. Um, yeah. But most of all, I'm, I'm just, I'm an artist making mostly figure paintings um, around intimacy and portraiture and, you know, the trans intimate experience and that sort of thing. Um, and someone is actually right now asking if there's captions. So I know, that <laughs> speaking, would be, of that. <laughs> speaking of that, I don't know if this, I know that this platform does, this is a good, this is a good point, right? Like when we have, <clears throat> when we have tech, tech issues, right? What is the accessibility like for people who can't, um, who can't necessarily hear? Let me see if I can do it. I know when I know they put automated captions on the recordings, but I'm not sure if they do them live, which is a good question, which I'll have to look into. Um, but there there will be uh, captions on the recording when it's posted. That's um, cool. So while you're while you're talking, I might kind of poke around to to see if I'm missing something. Yeah. But um, yeah, accessibility in the arts, just like right here, right? The platforms that we use, are they accessible to everybody, right? And that's, that's something that is really lacking in our, in our, in the, in the, in the um, platforms that, that we use, whether it's physical spaces, right? Or online spaces. And is that what you're finding, Charlie, that when you're working with folks, um, you're finding that it's difficult for like the broad audience to... I think that it's getting a little bit better, but I think like one of the main problems that I've actually encountered is they're making like these accessibility tools, but they're making it very difficult for people who actually need them to, to access them. Like you, you know, you have to go through three, four, five, six steps to get captions on certain platforms. Mm-hmm. I myself have yet to figure out, you know, how to put descriptor text behind images on certain platforms where it's allowed. Um, I think even myself, if you have um, any kind of like processing issue or whatnot, then if you're someone trying to be accessible, 
but the tools are not accessible for you, then you're then you're kind of like speaking out of both ends, being like everything should be accessible, except for my platform because I can't access the accessible tools. Like, right. You know, right. Okay? And then people are like, you're talking about accessibility, but your page is not accessible to me. And then I'm like, but the tools are not accessible to me to make it accessible to you. And then we kind of go in circles when it comes right. to like tech issues. Right. You know? And what you're speaking um, to right now and what and Connie's question about captions and how how, you know, Connie could turn them on. Right. I just looked up and, and sorry, and you were in your comment there about needing all of these different components in order to make, you know, one platform kind of be um accessible to everyone like i just looked it up for this platform um, which does so many things um but they say they don't currently offer closed captioning natively um yeah and yeah and connie's saying um you know hootsuite does auto descriptions for all of facebook instagram and linkedin yeah and and so exactly like as soon as i put this up on on Facebook, it's going to auto caption for me, but it would be yeah. really sweet if, and I'm, I'm going to look into this too, because it's saying that I could use um, a third party um, tool, which I use in other, uh, other, other live stream things and other, in other areas of my life, but I didn't realize I could plug it in. So yeah, when we're thinking about audience, um, I think it's so important. And, and of course we run into this five seconds into talking to somebody <laughs> about accessibility in the arts and <laughs> online. Yeah. I mean, it happens like even when um, I was curating like the first exhibition last year and we were trying to figure out how to use like this new platform that you can move around in, you know, even myself, I'm trying to, as the curator to upload all of these descriptors and all of these texts and everything. And I'm personally getting fatigued from my own, you know, uh, disability, trying yeah. to make stuff accessible to other people. And that's also what I'm talking about is that uh, even for like a disabled artist themselves who's participating and trying to uh, be as accessible as possible, the actual act of trying to follow through with it can kind of be fatiguing as well, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so you do the best you can, really. Um, and that's, that's what it comes down to. I think people appreciate the effort um, and the idea of being included to begin with. So, um, yeah. 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 So do, do you see as far, like when, are you talking like accessibility for makers and for artists, or are you talking primarily about how we make um, the ability to consume and participate in the arts um, accessible or is it kind of everything? Yeah, I'm definitely talking about everything. I mean, my first concern is artists themselves and them being able to access what they need. Um, you know, uh, whether it's from just the lack of health care for, you know, people in our community, like artists are the, according to a couple of studies I've run, are I've read are the least uh, insured people in the United States, mm -hmm. like something like only 30 or 40 percent are insured don't quote me on that I can't remember it but it's you know I that that is very concerning um right it's a definitely a yeah. huge percentage of the population of artists are yeah. not are not insured and don't have access to to medical and other types of yeah and then Exactly. And then, it, and then it goes further and deeper into like this idea that, you know, if you're in a regular workplace, 
um, there's ADA, there's, you know, all kinds of um, disability kind of laws and ideas followed. But personally, I'd say like on a cultural level in the arts community, uh, things are not accessible. And there's quite a bit of ableism, you know, since I started the Moon Cheese Curator Platform. Yeah, I've had 30, 40 artists message me individually in my DMs saying that their galleries told them not to uh, be public about their autoimmune disease. Their gallery really? told them, yeah, their gallery would not allow them an extra day because they have cancer and became ill and they're painting like in the hospital trying to keep up with a contract, you know, that they go from show to show and they can't see the show because there's, there's no, um, you know, ramps for... There's no way for them to get in, yeah. Yeah, there's there's no way to get in to see this show. There's no there's no accessible entrance. Um, and even artists coming to me and saying, this was my own show, and I couldn't get in to see the, the wow. show in the building, you know. Um, and I just don't think... I think that there's this idea still in a lot of the arts community that you either have to hide because you don't want to come off like... And and being dis disabled is seen as a weakness by mm -hmm. so many people I've met, you know, yeah. which is really unfortunate because, in my opinion, a lot of the artists that have shared their health stories with me through my platform are, it's, first of all, it's surprising with some of the, like, kind of higher um, profile artists who have reached out to me and said, like, yeah, I'm... I'm very ill a lot of the time and I'm not even insured and I have to hide this from my gallery and I hide. And these are people that me. have, and these are people yeah. that have like, um, have a platform themselves. Like they're, yeah. they're, that you're talking about people who we might know if we, if you were to mention their, their oh, name, yeah. that they're yeah. even yeah. having trouble accessing this stuff themselves. Yeah, exactly. They, they've been told it directly by their galleries that they'll be dropped. Yeah. See, yeah, I don't know I, why that, that surprises yeah. me because, you know, it shouldn't given the state of the world that we like somehow operate in however we can being so, um, uh, so like lacking humanity uh, and, and treating everybody with respect and giving them the things that they need. Right, it's all over around us, but it's really felt in in our community um, as as artists. Yeah. And yeah. and it's it's also surprising on a more intellectual, artistic level that we are asking artists and ourselves generally to not see ourselves as embodied and not see our work as a product of of that embodiment. And so, if you're dealing with a disability, if you are um, making work, your work is automatically going to be informed by your body. Like, unless you're Jeff Koons and you've got a team of, you know, <laughs> assistants making everything for you, for you to then have to hide whatever health issue or, or disability you're dealing with, it's hiding kind of part of, of the work. It's hiding... Um, the, it's trying to hide the actual hand that goes into the making. And so for me personally, I made a decision that it was impossible to hide that, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. 
because if if you become suddenly disabled or you've had a disability your whole life or you even have a temporary disability or you have a temporary health issue um your work is going to change right you know automatically um if as long as it's you're the if you're the one holding the pen um then what you're dealing with physically matters on on, on such a big level mm-hmm. uh, and the mm-hmm. fact that you know artists are being asked to to deny that that's a reality is uh it's denying part of their art in my opinion part of their art yeah because it's denying yeah. it's denying uh, a part if not a large part of who they are right i mean right i mean as as just like a full human being right you're saying like yeah. no this part of you doesn't matter this part of you isn't important enough for us to you know to to bring you in but it's uh, also it's 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 informing the outcome of the work the actual work the actual physicality of the work like i'm a painter mm-hmm. and that like the at the worst health moments for me, like I'm doing a lot better, but I had to start painting small. I had to get more into detailed work for a long time. I yeah. didn't have the enough physical health to make large gigantic paintings. Uh, it made me focus more on how to paint detailed faces, how to uh, adapt my studio to my needs. And it changed what I was making, you know, yeah. Um, and for me to just say to my audience, oh, this is just something I did on a whim. There's no reason I suddenly changed, you know? Right. <laughs> I mean, that's a big pivot there, right? Like, right, I mean, right. <laughs> what, what was that process like for you personally to, you know, live with, like, I know you live with pain, right? You have chronic pain challenges that is, that you work like, I'm just so like, you know, um, just amazed with how open you are about your journey. Um, when I, when I see, and it's just really, you know, for me, someone who doesn't live with, um, a lot of, a lot of challenges in my life, like, it's just really like, so important to see people like you out there, like just really advocating for, for not only yourself, but other people in that, in that community. Um, and, you know, it must be difficult for someone to be used to making work of a certain scale or a certain type, and then to have to really quickly pivot and shrink it down and go in a different direction. Like, what was that like for you, you know, while you're trying to manage your health and your art? Well, I'm now like in a place where I've started to paint like large again. Um, But what it actually did for me, you know, was at first there was this sort of resistance of like, of, of a denial of where I was at physically. Um, and then it was, well, do I want to keep denying where I'm at and not even make art at all? Or do I want to make what I can? And that took me into like a whole new realm of learning new skills. Um, that actually, now that I'm painting larger again, has become such a crucial part of my work and that it it benefited me in a way, you know, mm-hmm. where I, I learned how to use watercolors. I, I learned how, like, my, my interest in intimacy and grief and all of these sort of topics became so much more in focus when I was just working on these small pieces because... 
I was just at my desk and it became more intimate. You know, it be, right. it became what I what it needed to be. You know, I was up close to small pieces of work. I, I had to z- sort of zoom in further to to what I was interested in and and try and capture people. It's easy to capture someone when you have a giant painting, right? I mean, <laughs> like just the just the sort of accomplishment of I'm going to make an enormous portrait of my lover and they're going to be you know strewn across and and that's just it's impressive because to to manage a giant canvas takes kind of a different type of mentality than a small one but if you can make a very small piece of art that captures someone's attention um especially like if it's in a gallery and there's like a bunch of large paintings or anything then you've you've almost accomplished something even greater because that you've 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 pulled them away from this eight foot painting to go look at a, a you know a six inch portrait you know so right and and, and now that I'm painting larger I'm like how can I combine the two uh, to to sort of and now I can do both like I have both skills now like I can I when I'm yeah. when I'm not well I can make the, the smaller work when I'm when I've got the energy I can make the larger work larger. you know. Yeah, yeah, and I can sort of take the the detail and the intimacy that I found in the small works and see how I can apply it to the larger works. You know, I think that a lot of the time when we talk about like disability or we talk about um, health issues, like yes, of course, if if someone could take away my injuries, my brain injury, my mm-hmm. my chronic pain, yeah. I'd say like, where's the wand, baby? Like you know, but there's so much sort of power in like embracing where your body's at and and like truly just being like yes this is what i can do right now and 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 then pursuing it to the end you know Mm -hmm. um yeah i think that that's that's a really good point that's a like embracing what your body is able to do at that whatever given moment and using it to its fullest potential then um is is so i think probably pretty inspiring for so many for people to hear who who can so easily become discouraged i think when when something happens to them and it's like oh my gosh now what am i going to do i can't you know whether it's a physical thing or a mental thing or some other circumstance right when we get kicked in the ass right out of left field and we're not like prepared for it it can be so discouraging and to hear like you know my body can do so many like crazy things one day for, to the next day. And I don't know what I'm going to be able to do from, yeah. from that day to the next to be able to say, okay, well, this is, this is what I have in me today. This is my ability and I'm going to, and I'm going to use it and make the best of it is so it's such an yeah. important mindset. Yeah. I mean, and the, the thing that like kind of changed everything for me was, um, I don't know if it'd be helpful to actually tell a bit of like what disabilities I have or like for context. Yeah, if you're but... open to it, I would yeah, love to sure. hear your personal kind of that because that's always so helpful to hear like real personal stories from people. So yeah, so mention. I I went to Tyler, like I went to Tyler School of Art, and if you would if you had like spoken to me then, I I was making nine ten foot paintings that were abstract. You know, I was kind of being taught by these Abex painters from New York, and it was very like, you know, throw the paint, like throw. (laughs) Was this for your? Was this for your undergrad, or was this your? Yeah, for my undergrad, and 
But really, what I was doing, like, on the weekends was, like, secretly going to the Barnes Museum and, like, looking at the Van Goghs <laughs> and, like, being told by my classmates oh. that I was I was cliche and all of this stuff. And, uh-huh. But um, I... I had taken figure uh, figure painting and drawing from like middle school up to to college um, as like an obsession, but then got to to undergrad and was like, I'm just going to paint these abstract paintings. But then once I moved to Montreal, that's when I just started doing what I wanted to do. I I, I started having um, mainly like lovers and friends and other and other trans people come and pose for me mm-hmm. it was a way of like having a social life too as, as someone who was in grad school and like never had any free time and um and you and bake it into your like, work right right like and i was but it was also this like obsession of like i want to capture intimacy and i want to capture like that one kind of moment between us um hmm. out of this desire of like I'm terrible at relationships, so I'm fascinated by painting about them. Like, try to sort of figure out what the the, the puzzle piece is that I'm missing, you know, in all of my relationships. I'm gonna I'm gonna paint my partners and, and try and sort of capture these little micro moments. Um, wow, awesome! And and then like uh, I graduated in like 2014, and like I did my um, my master's defense in February of 2014. And then just started like working and I was already teaching at the university and was, was continuing like a lot of those projects, but I was having like a lot of shows from like 2012 to 2014. Like it was six or seven a year. Wow. Like it was much more than I could really handle. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, that's but, quite, that's, yeah. A, that's quite a, a, a pace. Yeah, it was it was too much of a pace, like, and I'm very open about this, too, that, you know, um, in 2013, I decided to stop drinking and to become sober. And like to, it was part of that is that I got like into the whole art scene of like, let's get drunk at every opening. And, you know, like, so and eventually I got to a point where I was like, oh, I actually like want to have a career and it can't really involve me being drunk and, 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 and an an annoying person at at openings um right at some point you have to kind of like make that decision to like take it seriously in some ways right take your career seriously in some ways and yeah but like also it was it went along with the relationships as well it's like oh i'm really terrible at relationships maybe it's because i'm drunk all the time that could be part of <laughs> but like once again like kind of this idea of like our bodies informing our work once i became sober the paintings went from being kind of like these sloppy cartoon uh giant paintings to the more intimate um realistic paintings of our pa- partners of friends yeah. of people in the yeah. community of myself and it became like more focused and like capturing i think um Mm -hmm. so that was sort of like the beginning for me of like realizing like how much my body is playing a part in things you know um and then by by the by the time i got to like july of 2014 i was in some pretty major shows and then like was in had my biggest show and then was immediately hit by a truck um well, that's on my way on my way home. Like I, I was, yeah. Like I was coming home from an opening 
at, basically and was hit. I was hit. So, wow. yeah, I was like on my bike um, or like I was coming home from a friend's house, but we had just been out like, you know, that sort of thing. Right. And um, ended up where I was like riding home and I had taken that route like a million times and was hit by a truck and like was tossed across the street. I had um, a near-death experience, like, where I I found out later I had a heart attack at the scene. Um, I lost consciousness. Like, I had a brain bleed. Like, it was, it was a whole... Yeah, it was not yeah, good like, at all. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, my helmet flew off. <laughs> so, also, everyone, get a well-fitted helmet. <laughs> <laughs> but don't, don't don't skimp on that okay if you pay if you pay a grand for the bike pay like four hundred dollars for the helmet okay right. like because if it flies you off that, your head when yeah <laughs> yeah and if you aren't wearing a helmet i'm coming for you like you know because <laughs> right. i think like we really don't realize how much our brains are ourselves you know yes yeah. there's this idea of the soul and whatnot but really it's your brain that is making everything work for you, Absolutely. you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I ended up in the hospital um, a couple of times, like there were sort of some language issues and some insurance issues, but, and I mean, for at least a good nine months, I had no idea what was going on. Like I was, I was working as a commercial art technician. Uh, my friend there basically had to order me around to make sure I got my job done I'd get lost on my way home from work or I'd be like four blocks from my house at the grocery store and I'd forget how to get home you know um I started having severe cluster headaches and migraines on a 24-hour basis basically I, I I continued to have those headaches for four years straight like for four years in a row after that I had a migraine like there wasn't a moment for a good four years where I didn't have a migraine mm-hmm. um, is or, it during yeah. this all of and this whole period of time where your migraines were so pervasive were you able to paint at all or make any art at all or was it really just nothing nothing because you were in so much pain and so out of it well, what ended up happening was, you know, about nine months after the accident, I started to feel a little bit better and had a bit of relief, but then unfortunately fell on some ice and ended up hitting my head again, Oh my God. Um, which like, cre- which like brought it all back, which right. like sort of recreated and made the symptoms worse. Um, mm-hmm. And I ended up ha- like selling all of my work to an art collector who had been in my life for a while and had enough money and moved to Portland for a, a year um, in which I was like in full-time rehab, basically okay. uh, try, like physical therapy. Cause I also, I had eight herniated discs. I had, you know, whiplash. I had, you know, bruised ribs, like, right. and, and this the whole is all time, from that one act, that one initial right, accident right, primarily. Right. 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 And the whole time I was in Montreal after the accident, I wasn't able to access physical therapy or any of the like recovery care I needed for the good nine months because uh, there was some very complicated insurance things going on and my, with my status in the country. And it, it's, it became like very complicated and which is why I left Canada was basically, I had nine months where I realized I can't even hold a paintbrush. I don't know where I am. I don't know what's going on. And 
I would go to my studio and just start crying because I couldn't hold the paintbrush or the headaches were so bad. I couldn't even see, see what I was looking at. Um, And so when I got to Portland, I was in physical therapy like four or five times a week. Um, I was seeing like all kinds of specialists. I was trying all kinds of new medications. And during that period of time, I made one painting. Uh, It was a large painting, but it was like I had to go from like not being able to hold a paintbrush steadily to to trying to make the painting. Like, so Mm -hmm. it was just I was on a daily basis, like hung it in the living room and was sitting there trying to like make make the painting. basically. Um, And for, for at least three years after that, I my hand would be shaking, I'd have numbness in my arm. Like I, I'm still in physical therapy to this day. Um, But I I was in like just arm physical therapy for at least uh, two or three years, you know, that sort of thing. Um, So I I had to fight like for, for it. But it sounds like painting, like just the act of like forcing yourself to like really push into getting this one painting done over the course of the year was also like part of your healing as well in yeah in, in a yeah. way like it was like the thing that was like your motivation is like I'm working on this painting this is what I need to get back to yeah and and the thing is is like it, it was such a by the time I got to Portland like it was such a tragic year for me um where like I got there and my partner was supposed to come and help take care of me and put me help me get through rehab and everything uh like a long-term long-distance partner who mm-hmm. I'd been with for about eight years at the time um he he died within a few days of me getting there because he was hit by a, a car on his bike no but he didn't he didn't make it and so I was just in this devastated state of mind you know where like i'm like i'm in portland i'm in the middle of i don't know where i am right i have a brain injury i'm in rehab by myself i'm trying to fight with insurance like you know and but i always had the art that's been like the thread the gold thread line for me is that honestly if i didn't have that as my my driving force i don't really know if i'd be here you know what i mean i didn't have like, especially the four years of, of straight migraines, like, mm-hmm. I just kept thinking about wanting 20 minutes to myself to make something, wanting five minutes to myself where I didn't feel like my head was on fire, right? right? And continuing right. to pursue whatever I could medically to, to get there. To get there. Um, yeah. 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 And then, like, to to be hitting like walls all along the way as you're trying to get there right to get to a place where you can have the ability or the space in your uh in your life to make again running into all of these dead ends or or the red tape or the just like systemic issues that right that create such havoc for our ourselves trying to, to to get well and to be whole yeah right yeah it it, it honestly was I had to move to multiple cities due to insurance issues and financial issues and it really wasn't until I got to Philadelphia and was able to start seeing doctors at, at University of Pennsylvania is when I started to see any improvement at all um, and also like 
I've, bec- I, I've become friends with a lot of scientists because I've, I've told them, like, you guys, like, saved my life, really, you know, because I got to a point where it was, like, 2017, actually, where I was on my fourth year of having the most extreme migraines on a daily basis with cluster headaches four to five times a day, which, if you look up online, are called suicide headaches for a reason, for, you know? yeah. And, um, it's just debilitating. It's, it's beyond debilitating. Yeah. Yeah. And I was working this part-time job. I was living at the church I was working for, like I was barely surviving. And I said to the neurologist, like the resident, like you have a month and I'm done. Like, and I, and he didn't even try to like get me any mental help or anything he just knew where I was at he knew what I meant I was like this is over with like because it was just I was in agony on a daily basis and I was still trying to paint while in agony from from all the migraines and cluster headaches and he said to me um a month from now actually an injectable medication is coming out that is a bio uh, a biologic that will reduce your migraines and I said okay I'll wait and he was right. I started that, that that's when things really changed for me. It was when, in 2017 when I started the, the drug and I went from having a daily 24 hour migraine to like 10 migraines a month. Then I went, it, then it took me down to five and now right. I'm at like three or four a month with all the different, you know, medicines I'm on. Right. And, and cause that really will, you, then you can actually make art. <laughs> right. I mean, so, I don't yeah. think anybody I don't think anybody wants three or four migraines a month, but if you're going from like massive headaches every day, right? Yeah. So that it yeah. must feel so much more manageable. Yeah. I mean I still get the cluster headaches on the trolley or the bus or whatever, yeah. but um, you know, I'm I'm trying to manage it. So Yeah. So <laughs> for people who Oh, Connie has a question. Do you paint with either hand or do you have a dominant hand that you paint with? And have you made progress with your hand? Yeah, I'm so I'm left handed and I paint only with my left hand. Um, I've made incredible progress. Yeah, I've I've been able to um, rehab my arm and my hand to the point where um, I I don't, I don't have that extreme numbness and I'm, I'm not shaking anymore and everything like that. You know, that, that was just a lot of work for that. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, my, my right, my right hand's like useless. You know. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't work for anything art, right? It just, right. <laughs> just hangs yeah. down. Yeah. 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 Well, for people who like, like myself, who, you know, um, have the ability to kind of bring people together and to like sometimes offer opportunities or whatever, but don't live every day having to kind of consider how I'm going to, um, how I'm going to like get into buildings to do my stuff or, or log on and have access the way I need to have access to it. Like what, what can people in the art world like myself do to really like make, make a difference and not just a, not just in a, like, um, in like uh, a tokeny kind of way or something, but actually yeah. legitimately, what should we be really paying attention to? 
I mean, like us, like I still have chronic pain. Like I have fibromyalgia now. I have all of these other disorders that came from the brain injury. Um, yeah. And I think it even goes beyond sort of like, yes, you can change tech, you can make things more accessible, you can do all of those things, which people should do. Yeah. But I think what's even deeper is to is um, is to change the way like we interact with each other on an interpersonal level. Mm-hmm. And, and kind of the level of compassion that we need to have for wow. each other when it comes to how we engage in projects and exhibitions and, and that sort of things with one another. Um, you know, as someone who has chronic pain and, and is completely just work, like has to put, has no choice but to put their health first, like that that needs to be understood on, on a, on a deeper level, you know, and that's something I'm only really beginning to realize myself is mm-hmm. that, yeah, if I want to paint for a show and accept a show, that means that I'm going to be getting up at 5am or 4am to first do an hour of PT exercises. Then I'm going to go and run for an hour. Then I'm going to go to the gym for an hour. Right. Then I'm going to food prep you know, like the, the, the disabled person that you may be in a show with, um, maybe like me, who's getting up at 4am to, 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 in order to participate, right. you know, um, and you, someone who's 100% healthy, completely functional, um, it's, it, maybe it's just rolling out of bed and having some cereal or, or living on coffee right. or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. um, but like, I've realized at least for me, I can't do anything I want to do until, mm-hmm. my, until my health comes first. Uh, it's almost like I, I have like this weird metaphor in my mind where I'm like, I, uh, all of these like sort of diseases and and syndromes I've racked up because of my brain injury in my head. I picture almost as like a toddler. Like, I, huh. I, I can't. I wouldn't if I had a toddler. I wouldn't just kick the toddler out of the house and not feed it and not tell it to exercise and not and have it run around and play and and take it to the doctor when it felt bad and right. you know like I I would be I would have the kid take it away from me you know but uh, so if I view like my own needs sort of my own sort of like disabilities that way it's made it a lot easier for me where I'm like. Yeah, like I need to take, I need to immediately take care of, of my health and I need to mm-hmm. immediately take care of, of my chronic pain before I can engage in anything else. Right. Like, because if you yeah. don't, it's just, it, it would just be a cascading effect of like all the stuff coming up for you and then taking you out completely. Right. Like, right. Then you wouldn't be able to paint at all. But I think, so what I heard you say is basically like we need to be, we need to be paying attention to people more, right? Like all the things that we can do to kind of help things along in terms of, you know, providing accessibility through the technology and everything like that is great and important and we need to do it. But you were saying like, try to have empathy and understand the other human beings that you're standing alongside of because we're not all playing on the same on an even playing field right like right and and but at the same time also like uh once i have sort of disclosed some of these issues to people then it's like suddenly i'm incapable of participating and it's like no actually 
I I either need these accommodations to participate. Right. Like if you want like a piece of like I've recently wrote something for uh, a platform I'm involved in and right. I have a writing partner and I explained like the person who runs the platform is disabled. So she had no problem with it, you know, but I was like, listen, I have a writing partner. I have a lot of great ideas, but now it's really difficult for me to sort of fully polish off a piece of writing. So she polishes it off for me and I need her to be, you know, the, the second writer on, on the piece right. credited, you know, right. and it's, I think what I'm asking for is like a, a disabled artist is more collaboration and less of this idea of the individual being this sole proprietor of, of all ideas and knowledge and thoughts and, and, and just that it, and normalizing mm -hmm. the fact that we, we, no one does anything alone, whether you're disabled or not, you know, yeah. and, and allowing yeah. for those accommodations, no matter how someone identifies, you know, why not? If it's, if it's, even if you're not disabled, if it's easier for you to do a project with someone else, why not allow that person into the project? Why does it have to be this exclusive thing of like, no, I've only invited you. Your writing partner cannot come. Like, you know. <laughs> no, but uh, <laughs> so this is, you know, like what, what frustrates me a lot just in general is just like this, you know, every man for himself kind of kind of mentality that we're like surrounded by all over the place and especially in or not especially in but also in in our in our field of the arts um yeah and this call for collaboration this call for community this call for relationship um like i'm here for it like i'm like yes tell me more say more of that because that's yeah. that we really need we really need that and and all of the things that i do i try to really pay attention as much as I can to, you know, how people interact with one another, right? How we care for one another or how we uh, respect and honor one another or help one another out. And to yeah. hear you say like, it, I want more collaboration. I want the people yeah. that help that help me to also be recognized. I also want to bring them along so that I can continue to participate. Like that is, I mean, that's amazingly important stuff to yeah about. yeah and and you know I almost when I first started to like rehab myself and, and try to get back into the art community I too had taken on the dialogue that I couldn't participate unless I was just doing it all by myself mm -hmm. that you know it only mattered or was only something that I I could involve myself in if I could do it 100% alone um, and because of that attitude that was either, you know, something I carried or, or the, the gallery carried or the project manager carried, I, I would either drop out of the project because I couldn't fulfill it, mm -hmm. or I would not involve myself at all, you mm -hmm. know, and sort of slowly felt like I was being exited from the art world of like, you know, you don't get to be here anymore. Um, until like, I really realized that like, no, I just need to open my own door. Like, you know, like if this is go if this is going to be like that, then then no, thank you. You know, um, mm -hmm. and I think that's why like some of this online space has become so important. Um, is because really you just can pop yourself up on a page and say this is what I'm about, and other right. people go, oh, that's cool, I'm into that too, and um, right. and then it gets like really exciting and. Um, 
Yeah. And yeah. is that is that what the Moon Cheese Curator is about? Is um, is that door that you opened for? Yeah, because I was like, you know what? Like, I want to curate shows, but like, people either people look me up and and see and find out that I've been open about being disabled and talk to me like I'm a child, um, or or I feel like in order to do it or in order to participate in something. Um, I have to hide who I am, which like has also been asked of me. Um, and I was like, it was more of like a, an empowerment thing of like, I, first of all, I'm not going to hide who I am or what I've been through. Right. I have survived a lot and have come out the other end, like different. Like there's this, there's also this idea that you can like, um, uh, you could just like suddenly stop being disabled if you do enough therapy or whatever like that. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> like, right. like a brain, a, a brain injury is for life. Like whether or not it's visible to other people, like most people go, Oh, you have a brain injury. I had no idea. Right. But um, I mean, it's, it's for life. You become a completely different person. And um, yeah, for me, it was, it was about like kind of standing in who I, who, who I am, the new person that I am and trying to, get what I want without um, having to hide or having to like uh, apologize really for, for what I've been through, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, and also this frustration of knowing that I was not the only one who was disabled by something and, or sick or ill from something. Like a lot of people don't like to use the word disabled. They don't feel it applies to them, but that's another thing people will message me and be like, I don't think I'm disabled. And then they'll list like the 20 health conditions they have. Um, and I'm like, okay, we don't have to, we don't have to call you disabled, but that's, that's fine. Right. Um, but whatever you're dealing with that affects right. your body. Uh, like I realized that I wasn't the only one and I really found out I wasn't the only one when I started getting messages from people. Hmm. And then when I started getting messages from high profile artists, I was like, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> like and and so a lot of it too is just like I if if I featured people I always say like it's optional for you to put in your profile on my page uh about what you're dealing with because I'm trying to encourage more people to to come out and be honest about it you know because it's not like it's not because oh we want oh come out and tell your story so other people can feel sorry for you or whatever people think the 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 motivation is it's more look at this amazing art yeah, that yeah. this person makes and had all of the stuff they have to manage to get there right. you know like just to get to their studio they are first getting like i know an artist on instagram who has ms who's like i have to get infusions once a week and then i go to my studio and she's like no one knows i have ms and it's like and you know or another person's like i I have like, you know, cancer and I've told no one about it. Like, wow. and I'm, I'm painting from my bed. Like, and it's just, why can't people know about that? I was going to say you like, know? why do you think, I mean, I can think of, you know, I work with people all day as in my clinical psychotherapy practice um, all day with different things that they don't talk about. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's <laughs> the nature of what I do. Right. And so I can, ha I have a whole list in my mind of, 
like reasons why they wouldn't put it out there that they have this. But what do you think, you know, within the realm of kind of your your experience and knowledge, like why do you think these these people don't talk about their their stuff? Is it because they're all of a sudden going to be kind of erased by galleries and everything because they're going to be too, quote, difficult to like incorporate or work with? Well, there's a presumption a lot, whether it's in the art world or just the job world in general, that if you're disabled, you're not capable of fulfilling your duties or that your accommodations will be um, beyond what's reasonable, et cetera. I mean, all of this just really comes down to ableism when, you know, a lot of the time I find that the accommodations I need are accommodations sometimes non-disabled people need. Sometimes it's parents who need the same accommodations I do. Sometimes right. it's someone who has a low income who needs the same accommodations I do. Sometimes it's someone who has undiagnosed ADHD and thinks they're perfectly uh, on the level, but really they're a space cadet. And I'm like, right. you and me, buddy, the brain injury <laughs> and the ADHD, we're all on the same playing field when it comes to accommodations right now. Like, yeah. you know, um, and so really, like, I, I want people to start being more honest because it, ableism doesn't just affect disabled people. It affects people who also don't identify as disabled. Mm -hmm. Because as long as we're expecting yeah. everyone to function the same exact way and to have the same exact needs, it's always going to be an exclusion, exclusionary space, mm -hmm. you know, or, or an exclusionary participation. And um, I think a lot of the time people don't say anything because they're afraid. They're, it's their income. It's their opportunities. It's their, um, it's their gallery representation. It's, sure. it's capitalism expecting them to always be producing at a super high rate. Yeah. You know, it's a no risk what for them to be with. fully out there themselves. Right. And like for me, I, I found that first of all, I'm like visibly queer. So it's like, it's not like I'm going to, to hide that part of myself. And then yeah. I kept thinking to myself, oh, why would I start hiding anything else then too? I've mm -hmm. already taken this enormous risk by being a trans person. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, at some point, Might as well it, put it all out there then. Right. Like... Right. Right. And it's also at some point hiding was, was destroying my body. Yeah. Like I was trying to participate in things. Yeah. Um, that were that was just killing me you know mm -hmm. like I was in so much pain and also it's not just about letting other people know it's the more you're honest with other people the more you're honest with yourself you know part of why some of my chronic pain continued to such a high degree was that I was trying to deny even what I was feeling because in order to participate in something you have to kind of block out all of your own physical feelings and emotions and like if you're denying who you are to others you're denying who you are to yourself that's basically what it yep. comes down to yeah you know? yeah um oh my goodness like in in so many categories right like <laughs> you know who care like if you're if you're not being honest you know it's it's only it's it's only really hurting you at the end of the day right yeah I mean, yeah sure because if you if you're tell if you're out hiding your disabilities from other people you're hiding them from yourself and then you're also not seeking the level of care you need 
because you've created this fantasy that everything's fine. <laughs> you know, like right. so and then and then you get even more disabled or even more in pain because you're not addressing it. And right. then you get you dig that hole until you're done, you know. So yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Connie's saying some really cool things in here. The, uh, a lot of famous artists have had disabilities and that's part of the story that's not told that goes kind of along with what you're talking about, Charlie. Um, yeah. And she says that they're working with uh, museums to change the narrative to include their disabilities and the slow process that you're kind of alluding to. Uh, yeah. Awesome. And every, every disabled uh, have to have disabled people at the table all tables, community, private, and boards, nothing about us without us. Wow. Yeah. 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 I mean, if you think of some of, like, the most famous people, like, you know, um, I mean, the work they made was incredible, like Chuck Close's portraits. Oh God. Yeah. You know, at, from yeah. from his wheelchair, you know, making that, in a, and with a ton of accommodations in his studio, mm -hmm. and making incredible work. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, I could name it, a whole bunch of people. Yeah, he was the first one that came to mind. Right. But, um, yeah. Right. And just like the the adaptations and the ingenuity and like the creativity that comes from being uh, from needing to adapt your adapt one's work. Right. Like, you know, yeah. the things that we do as creative human beings when we're faced with challenge um, to to kind of get up and like push, push through it. Right. Like you said, like I went from really big stuff to small stuff cause I had to, but it taught me so much more about who yeah. I am as an artist too. Or like a lot of different um, inventions and sort of styles by painters came from disabled painters right. because they were kind of in a strange like physical position that they had to get into to paint right. or they needed like a certain accommodation uh, or a certain tool, like I've met a couple of painters who, um, like a couple actually in the last few years through my platform who um, are missing a limb and they've had to like make different tools for for like, you know, their prosthetic that, mm -hmm. that will also mm -hmm. allow them to paint and make mm -hmm. stretchers. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, another person I met like a couple years ago was hand stretching canvases and and only had one arm like I don't know how to do that so they were they were <laughs> they were like you know using some weird springboard that they had invented in their studio and I was like this is really fucking cool you know like right I you know and and that's also part of my positivity here is that you know when we talk about disabilities, it doesn't have to be this, like, yes, there's a lot of difficulty. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of community and support needed to yeah. get through it. And like, I'm in, I'm in full-time therapy, you know, just so I don't lose my mind from the chronic pain. Right. But there's also like, it's cool to like have disabled friends because they come up with weird, cool things <laughs> to like make their lives work right. and make their dreams happen. And, you know, um, yeah. Amazing. Hey, listen, we are, uh, we're, we have to end this conversation. I could keep talking for forever. This has been so, you know, like so many important things and I can't wait to, to share it on online with, with other people. Um, but the, the thing that I'm really uh, like just so happy about hearing is just this idea of collaboration and community and, and just this, this stuff that is 
um, is really something that I need to think more and more about um, for sure in, in a different way. It's not just about let's make sure like, you know, there are certain like physical things met though they're important. It's, you know, how can we really see the, see respect and honor the full human being who is in front of us um, yeah uh, i didn't i'll end it this way i think a lot of the time when we think about like marginalized people or marginalized identities we're always kind of looking for like how to like socially maybe come off as as inclusive or accommodating or whatever uh, and that's great, like having all of those sort of systemic things sorted out, like in, uh, tech, etc. But really, in the end, anyone who has a marginalized identity, all they really want is like friendship, you know, like yeah. they want to be considered in the conversation and they want to be like involved and they want to be a, a person in the room. Yeah. And, and like the biggest sort of thing I learned when I started the online curating was that like touched me. Cause at first I was like obsessed about like how many people are going to view this online exhibition that I worked so hard on, blah, blah, blah. But then my, my best friend uh, is a, a disability home care worker mm -hmm. uh, for people who are housebound. And he, one of his clients is a mosaics artist. And this is when I just like completely lost it was and really realized the importance of of my interests was that he said to he said to Sean, I want to go to the opening and he and it was like an online opening and he got all dressed up and he like yeah. invited his other homebound friends to like get online at the same time and go and start and look at the work together. Wow. And and that he was really emotional because he said to Sean this is the first time I've ever been able to attend an online uh, attend an art opening wow this is the first time like I've I have seen someone think about us and and that's why I was like yeah that's when my own ego was like put aside about like stats and all this stuff and was like this is why I wanted to do this, this. is this you is know, what it's that about one, that one person who got to see it like and said that like that meant everything to me so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Charlie. Um, but I just want to remind everybody once again that I have a community that I invite everybody into, every artist that uh, or creative person. Um, it's Bull Creatives Collective, and you can, you know, go there. It's on Facebook. That's where the community lives. And also the website right now, you can download a little thing that I made, which is four steps to grow your creative life. Um, Different buckets of things that I talk about uh, all over the place are goals, realities, options, and ways forward. We want to really be cultivating our creativity and our creative life. And I put together a little guide to get you started there. But Charlie, I'm really, really appreciative and, and grateful for you. So thanks so much. Yeah, and I thanks so much for inviting me on to talk and listen to me ramble. So. No, there was no <laughs> rambling. It was actually okay. more eloquent than anything that I have to say. So thank you so much. Great. All right, guys, yeah, I, enjoyed it. Next thank time, you. I will see everybody later. Talk to you soon.